Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Mike Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with my good friend, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. So I'm going to ask you a question that, honestly, I didn't think I would ask anybody ever. But we're going to ask you because you're just that guy. So you ready? I'm ready. So I want to know, do you think that, do you think that King Dollar, the King Dollar could lose the reserve currency of the world in the next decade? or the next two decades, right? I'm gonna give you a big time horizon, right? So let's say, do you think the dollar could lose, become, lose the key, what, reserve currency of the world in the next 10 to 20 years? No, not in 20 years. I mean, anything is possible long-term, but in the next sure. 10 to 20 years, no, it's not possible. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of talk about it happening. I think there's, um, there's not a, at least in the next 20 years, I totally agree. I do not see another currency of size or of strength that could threaten it, right? There's, there was, I mean, just during my lifetime of watching the markets, there's been talk of the Euro, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, there was talk of the yen. Uh, there was talk of um, uh, China's currency, the yuan, I believe it is. Uh, now there's talk of crypto or digital currency, you know, all of these things. There's a talk of going back to the gold standard. I just don't see, I don't see a, um, I just don't see one that's big enough or strong enough or has the rule of law that people can put their full faith behind. Yeah, that's the key right there is the stability, regardless of what you think, but the stability of the United States government and economy, but really more than anything else. So we used an analogy in the last episode of the economy, the inflation and what's going on in the risk taking right now is that if I gave you $100 million to invest in real estate, non-recourse, 0% interest. Yeah. If you if everything you bought blew up, you'd never have to pay it back and there would be zero consequences to you. You know, what would you do? You'd go spend, spend, spend. Yeah. Now, um, how about this? How about if I need $100 million and you knew that I could print the interest payment on that $100 million, you'll loan it to me at 2% interest and you know I can print those dollars back to you that are still good and valuable, how much money would you loan me? You know, if I if you knew that I had an unlimited ability to service that debt. So, you know, that's the thing. We create our own currency that isn't tied to any type of a gold or anything like that. So it's unlimited in the amount that we Mm -hmm. can create. Mm -hmm. And we have a GDP to back it up. And when you lever up our GDP of 30 trillion dollars, realistically, we can borrow 100 trillion dollars and we're okay. You know, from a normal leverage standpoint, you leverage it up tenfold, we can borrow 300 trillion, you lever it up you know, exponentially from there, which you could argue that we're already levered up. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, as long as we can keep printing without consequence, which is what we've been doing since, Mm -hmm. you know, my entire career that I've been paying attention to the economy, what woke me up was 2008 and nine. I didn't really pay a lot of attention other than interest rates, but 2008 and nine, when that happened, I started digging in. I was like, like, how could that happen? Yeah, that's different. We've been on the printing press since then, and we've had zero negative consequences. They've only been positive. We've had yeah. the the longest bull market in the history of the world in all in all assets. I mean, real estate's been straight up pretty much since then. And we had a little correction after that. You know, uh, 2011 or not 11, but uh, 2019. Yeah, the interest rates started ticking up a little bit, and the Fed started tapering. There's been a couple little where they little tried pause. to get out of the markets. Yeah. But we really haven't seen super hyperinflation like you think we would have at the consumer level from all of this stimulus. We've seen it in the assets, and that's mm-hmm. the result of the you know the bull markets that we've been in. But as long as the Fed keeps it up, that can keep growing. We can keep going, and 
you know, nothing is, is really going to affect that. But at the end of the day, it's the faith in the value of that dollar mm -hmm. um, backed by the United States. You can't trust China. You can't trust, you know, any of these other countries. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the only ones that you can truly trust from a financial standpoint in terms of yeah. the value of the dollar and our ability to, you know, continue to service it. Yeah, I think that's where it goes down. And again, we have fits and starts where, you know, we're strong, we're, we're you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today that people are pointing at seeing, see, foreign governments are losing faith in the United States. You know, yes, there have been some events here that I guess all of us wish didn't happen, or at least I hope most of us wish didn't happen, um, that are causing people to ask questions. It's causing countries to make partnerships with other countries, right? I believe there was an agreement between Russia and Saudi Arabia around oil um, that people are calling the death of the dollar or the petrodollar specifically. Uh, I think these are just countries, you know, creating plan Bs and creating other relationships. And again, they have to do what's right for them. Um, and, and, you know, having, having only dollars, that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's risky, right? They, they're just, they're doing the right things from portfolio management, frankly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you, you know, so from the standpoint of reserve currencies, world reserve currencies, um, the dollar is the world's reserve currency. You know, governments around the world own more dollars than any other asset. Yeah. Um, they're starting to stock up a little bit more on gold, but they still have more dollars than anything else. Some countries will offload, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the countries and the economies around the world that matter, they're, they're in the dollar and the dollar is the de facto reserve currency. And you can take the dollar anywhere in the world and use it. Yeah. So I've been studying this for quite a while, right? Because the death of the dollar has been a topic for the last two decades easily, right? That's what people think like the death of the dollar is the new idea. They've been around, they've been around since Japan was kicking our butt with manufacturing. But the, the one area that I thought had had a chance to dethrone King Dollar, there was talk right when the euro was coming out about creating a basket of currencies. Right. You'd have, you know, one third euro, you'd have, you know, 20 percent yen. And I'm just making up these numbers because I don't remember what they were. And you'd have a little bit of China, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And yes, a little bit of dollar. I was like, huh. That could that could be interesting. Right. Whatever this basket becomes, call it, you know, call it blue. I don't care. Call it whatever you want. But what happened is, is that was kind of taking fold. What do you think happened? Countries didn't agree. <laughs> My currency is worth more than your currency and this and that. I mean, mm -hmm. what you really realize is once you try to put together a basket with, you know, five, 10, 20 countries, currencies, they don't get, they don't agree. And, and if you can't get agreement on the, I don't know, weighted portfolio, that idea just blows up. Which is how the dollar is measured, by the way. So the dollar is measured against a basket of other currencies, you know, the major currencies. And, and that's where the value of the dollar globally comes up from. But at the end of the day, you just can't trust anybody else anywhere else in the world like you can trust the United States. And regardless of what people's beliefs are, you know, and I know there's a lot going on right now with, with Afghanistan and things, but, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, from a financial standpoint, I mean, look what China's done. They just come in and shut you down and take your property. So will <laughs> other countries. Exactly. And, you know, we're the only country in the history of the world that doesn't try to go invade others and take them over. Yeah. We're the ones that come to the defense of others and try to help them. We're not trying to claim more. You know, we came to this country to get away from that. Yeah. And, you know, other countries still have world domination as a philosophy where we have world's best interest overall as a philosophy. Now, obviously there's, you know, sides to that, that whole thing, but that's mm -hmm. the idea yeah. of, you know, this country is, is uh, you know, 
the reliability and the strength of the United States and the dollar mm-hmm. system, you're just it, not going to replace that. Yeah. The one, the one area I wanted to go to, cause you cover this a lot more than I do. I frankly never talk about it uh, is Bitcoin, right? I think it was El Salvador that went first. It called it a legal current or a current. I don't know what they call it. I think it's legal a legal tender. Legal yeah. tender. Cuba just did the same thing. Well, not yet. They're they're talking about it and they're voting on it. There's other countries that, then they're not even talking about Cuba. I haven't read it, but I don't think they're talking about legal tender, but they're talking about as an authorized or recognized form of payment currency. Thank thank you for the correction. Again, I never look at these. I was a headline. But the the one area that that is interesting for, again, I'll just just generalize as digital currencies. Um, You know, do you think, because again, there's, there are some folks that say this is like the future, uh, you know, limited supply, you know, it's, you know, Ethereum is the, is the internet of current of money in the future. And then we have a guy named John Paulson, who's a billionaire. And oh, by the way, yes, he's old, right? Cause I think he's a baby boomer. All right. So he's old. I get it. Um, but he's saying crypto is going to zero. I guess either extreme is possible, but where do you come down in that kind of world? You said crypto is going to zero and you froze. Oh, no. <laughs> the internet got you. The internet got um, me. That's right. Those little darn things. So, you know, a lot of people lump everything in the same basket. So to address what El Salvador, El Salvador is doing and other countries like that, number one, they're a dictatorship. They're corrupt. Um, it's a corrupt government. And, you know, there are self-interests involved in that move. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, their own people can't use it, don't want to use it. It's too expensive. It's inefficient. You know, it's not a... So Bitcoin was created as a peer-to-peer cross-border um, no third party, you know, mm-hmm. transaction, you know, money for transaction. That's what it was originally created for. And, you know, what, it, what it's proven is it doesn't work efficiently and effectively as a money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a speculative asset. It's, it's not asset, even a yeah. store of value because it's so volatile. Now it's life cycle has been straight up, you know, with, with the peaks and valleys and, and, you know, started at a penny and it's gone up to, you know, at its peak 65,000. It's, you know, pulled back a little bit. So it's up and down. Nobody knows or can guarantee what's the future value of this asset because there are other things out there, um, you know, but the properties of Bitcoin in and of itself. So it's the easiest way to understand it at its core essence, not what it is or what it was created for, but how it works. It's like a pyramid, not a Ponzi, but a pyramid. It's only as valuable as people willing to enter the space and pay more for it. That's Mm. how a pyramid works. You create this thing, you say, hey, go invite four or five of your friends and they'll buy in. Each one of those go invite four or five or 10 of their friends. So it's a network effect. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a social effect, but in essence, it's a pyramid because there is nothing. You're not getting any value, any service. It's not really used for utility in any way Mm. other than the speculative, you know, speculative value of the asset. Now, that's Bitcoin. And, you know, there are a group of people that are Bitcoin maximalists. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, I, I understand it from a value standpoint, from speculation, because I've speculated my entire career with real estate, businesses, things like that. I still do. Mm-hmm. So I get that um, and understand that. Uh, there's a paper out there that you can read about Bitcoin, what it was intended for, the Bitcoin white paper. And then there's a book called The Bitcoin Standard, mm-hmm. which is kind of an analogy of the gold standard versus Bitcoin standard. Okay. And the argument for Bitcoin as world's reserve currency but it just doesn't work and it, and it, it can't work um, because of the limited supply. You can't tie fiat currencies to you know, something that limits you know, the supply of it. It just doesn't work. Mm. Um, cryptocurrencies are different. Ethereum, yes, that's, the, that's one of several projects out there that are internet of cryptos where 
you know, things are built on top of it, mm. you know, gaming, for instance, NFTs, you know, things like that. Uh, whereas, you know, that that's a different type of uh, network than Bitcoin. And, you know, blockchain in and of itself is a ledger, open ledger, you know, so mm -hmm. um, to record transactions, basically spreadsheets, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that are out there that are supposedly, you know, open source networks, which now, um, you know, Jack Dorsey of Twitter is trying to create. Yeah. So that's another aspect. Then you have DeFi, de you know, decentralized finance, which is peer-to-peer -peer lending, peer-to-peer, yep. -peer, you know, exchange, things like that. You know, there is a movement there to eliminate banks, eliminate third parties like credit card companies, things like that. So that's originally what Bitcoin was really created to do was to eliminate third party intermediaries between you and me trying to send money all around the world. Right. Yep. And, and be able to use that and exchange value all around the world. It doesn't work and it won't work because it's just it's just inefficient. Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these other things are being created to solve that problem. Okay. So that's where the Ethereum network, some of these currencies can be built on top of that. They could potentially be, okay. you know, used around the world, like a, you know, USDC or US, you know, DT, the um, uh, stable coins that are created. Yeah. And eventually all of the countries of the world will have digital currency. But again, people have to have a means to be able to use that and exchange it amongst, amongst each other. So it's a little more complicated. Then within the space of cryptocurrencies between, you know, DeFi, um, you know, the, the currencies themselves, like a Bitcoin. Um, then you have, you know, the NFT space uh, where digital art, digital, you know, music is able to be, you know, uh, digitized and sold where you can own the rights to a song and nobody else can own it. They can copy mm. it, they can whatever, but you're the one that owns the original. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, that space that's really taken off, highly speculative, huge bubble where a digital JPEG of a rock's being sold for millions of dollars. Crazy. But the, you know, but, you know, you got to understand how that works. You could create your own NFT, buy it from yourself because nobody knows who you are. It's an anonymous chain transaction. Yeah, uh, You could buy it for whatever. Now you've created value in a speculative bubble. So a lot of that's being done that way. A lot of it's being used for money laundering. Mm. Again, if you need to launder 100 million bucks, you create some NFTs, you sell them you know, to yeah. that address for whatever you need to to launder the money. So there's a lot of you know, speculative bubble asset there, but there's real use cases for NFTs. And gaming is your biggest area where a lot of that, a lot of cryptocurrencies are built around gaming. And, you know, there's a lot of use cases there. And then you have the metaverse that Facebook is really all about, where they're trying to create this virtual world where you're not just looking at a screen of virtual reality. You actually put on the goggles and you step into it like Ready Player One, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're in this universe and you can buy goods and services wow. in there. Those are NFTs, non-frangible tokens. And in this universe, you own these assets, could be property, could be anything, could be the car you're driving in the metaverse, you know? Wow. Uh, you're actually paying real money for that. And, you know, gaming was the first segue into that, you know, over the years. So there's a lot of different things that are lumped into the word cryptocurrency. So yeah. could Bitcoin go to zero someday? Sure, absolutely. Anything's possible. Could it go to a million dollars too? Sure. You know, anything's possible. Can it go to a hundred million like Fidelity just came out and said? then, you know, that's a stretch, I think, but yeah. hey, a single coin, a hundred million, that'd be, that'd that's be... what they're saying, you know, and, and, you know, anybody can make a 50 year, hundred yeah. year horizon, you know, yeah. <laughs> projection. So, so that's really what's going on in the, in the space of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and things like that. And, you know, that's why there's so much confusion. So when somebody like Paulson comes out and says cryptocurrency is going to zero. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of fake coins, oh, yeah. a lot of fake projects and meme coins, just like stocks that will go to zero and end up. And there's a lot of, you know, no question. stuff that's created that, that get people in because it is speculative. It's venture capital. Anybody can create one. Anybody can just say, 
you can say, hey, I've got this project where, you know, I want to be able to do smart contracts and serve the NFT space. Total scam. You go out there, you create this thing, issue tokens, people buy in, you take all the money and walk away and never do anything. Yeah, rug pull. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this question was, could the, could the king dollar be dead in 20 years? And by dead, meaning it's no longer the reserve currency of the world. I don't know. It's been talked about for the last 30 years and hasn't happened. I don't, I don't see it in the next 20 years and you don't either. Yeah, anything is possible, but sure. at this point in time, you'd have to replace it with something that can be trusted worldwide that everybody would use. So is that possible? Sure, a Bitcoin-like instrument Maybe. could be the solution. Could be. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, but at the end of the day, who's going to back that up? The public at large, which was the yeah. whole idea behind Bitcoin, is that you have trust in the network yeah. that backs up the value of it. So but it can't be limited. That's the thing, you know? Yeah. So there's, it's, it's very complicated. I just don't, yeah, I think there's the big trust factor. And again, the other thing that I've always thought about is just the size back when, back when the whole thought was the yen's going to become the number one currency and all I'm like, do you guys understand the scale? Like how many yen there are to how many, I mean, this was in the eighties. Like mm -hmm. that just, that, that, that mathematically doesn't work. I get the fact that they're kicking butt with manufacturing and just in time inventory and all of that. But and then they go out and buy, you know, Pebble Beach. I think they bought the Pebble Beach golf course for a record at the time and lost their ass because again, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, just a bubble. So yeah, I don't see the dollar going away. I think, I think the most likely thing is a crypto or digital currency like thing. But again, I go back to that basket of goods, right? There was, uh, there was a time where the basket of currencies felt like, Hey, you know what? If, if the eight largest or 10 largest countries got together and said, Hey, we're going to put together, this is the ratio. Let's, let's kill the dollar. That could have worked, but once you get together with eight countries with eight leaders and eight, you know, populations, it just blows up. So, uh, you know, just, yeah, it's know. really interesting. And then the whole conversation in the crypto space is all about decentralization. It's all about open source, open network, um, where people collaborate, and that's how Bitcoin is done. There's miners all around the world that run machines that maintain the network and record and you know maintain these transactions, and they get rewarded with blocks. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, of Bitcoin. And so, so there's a council now that they all talk about things. So even that's not truly decentralized. Sure, there's different operators, but they still have to have a council. They still have to agree on updates and if they get mm -hmm. hacked and you know, all these different things. So there really is no way to truly decentralize something, especially when, you, when you're dealing with a currency, you know, or even stores of values. You know, a network has to be maintained. And, you know, if you're in a situation where everybody has to vote and everybody has a say, well, that's not, you know, that's the idea of decentralization. But still, at the end of the day, you're going to have some centralization of the of a network to keep it going and keep it alive. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. So, Greg, how can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. I got a YouTube channel podcast. I talk about all these things, real estate, finance, every markets, day, cryptos every day. I'm putting putting content out. Very cool, man. Thank you very much.